Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Matthew and I'm- Fox. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> guest, Matthew, guest. Get in your corner. <laughs> I'm Pete Wright. Nobody and- puts Matthew in the corner. <laughs> we put Matthew in the corner. We no, we we put him in in our little cage thing that we have. The drop in cell, the yeah, drop in cell. cell. Cool, no one's guarding it. I'll get out quickly. But anyway, <laughs> that's right. Pete's the host. I'm not the host. I, I'm sorry. It was the research I did. You know, it put me back into that mindset. So. Oh, you're right in it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Pete. You are in it. Uh, today we're talking about minute sixty four, which begins with Zola fleeing the control room and ends with Steve entering Zola's experiment room. Mm. Dun 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 dun. Back on the show again. You've already heard it's Matthew Fox. Hello, Matthew. Hello. I will continue to not wait for my own introduction and just do my own. Um, <laughs> just... Kind of like Cap. You know, I'm trying to summon his energy of just he doesn't wait for Zola or any of those to invite him in. He just bursts right in. That's what he it's does. called. Big Cap energy. Big I surprise. He, he has big Cap energy for sure. All right. So let's talk about what's going on here. So Schmidt is flipping all these switches. He has a ton of of detonation switches uh, like far more than you would think you would need to do a, a self-destruct like he's going to lose i mean as we see he's it's it we're, we get down to about two minutes and, and 40 seconds in the middle of this minute that means in the past you know uh you know 40 seconds or so he has lost uh five and a half minutes somehow i'm not exactly sure how this works but it takes a long time to flip all these switches my gosh i think i've i'm counting eight switches that's what I believe I'm counting right at the first second. It pulls back and we see two rows of that look like two rows of four identical banks of switches. Is that what you're seeing? Because we were wondering if we would have the mythical seven switches. I don't believe that's true. So he has eight switches all set for seven minutes. Yes. <laughs> now, again, I have not had a super soldier serum. I, I didn't even play Call of Duty. I played much more like low-level tactical games. But in my very limited tactical analysis, I think if I was designing a self-destruct button and it required multiple buttons, I would have the timer start with the last button, not the mm-hmm. first. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, wild idea. Well, they each have their own. That's what's so silly. Like, w- again, what if he just does one of them? I- it better not. I don't get this. Ellen Ripley only had one self. I mean, hers was very complicated to get into as well. But still. With my things. last breath, I spit at the Andy. Even Khan had one very complicated set of switches and things to turn. What was the self-destruct that they had to do to blow up the Enterprise? They had to each say something, right? Well, there was that. that, that yeah. They've self-destructed the Enterprise so many times, and it's always yeah, a different yeah. way. But but I also, if we're continuing this tangent for one second, I got to say, I'm so glad, Pete, you you made clear you were referencing Khan, because you started that quote, and in my head it went, oh, cool, I'll comment that that's from Khan. Wait a minute, what if he's quoting Shakespeare, which Khan oh. was quoting? And yes. you're like, nope, nope, he's a degenerate yes. like me. He's taking Star Trek and Shakespeare. <laughs> we're good. Right, right. <laughs> Please, sir. We're all gentlemen here. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. So now Zola, uh, I, I guess he's realized what time frame he has. He races out of the room like I, I, I find his like the, the behavior of these two people very interesting. Schmidt is just so 
uh, Terminator. I'm going to flip all these switches. And then, I mean, he probably very slowly walks to wherever he needs to go. He's not even going to run. Whereas Zola, like he darts out of this place uh, fairly quickly. And he's, you know, he's scampering, I guess you'd almost say, across the catwalk as he's uh, trying to get to where he's going. Um, how does all this play for you, given that we have seven minutes and, and what are these two trying to do? Do you, do you feel like you were, I, I don't know, or were you expecting anything? Were you expecting them to run out of the room together? Like, does it seem like Zola is just bailing on, on Schmidt at this point? Like, how does this play? I think Zola's actions make sense because he's gathering up papers. He's trying to save what needs to be well, saved. He is, but not yet. Like right now, we just see him running. Like, I mean, we will see him going into his lab, like toward the end of the minute. But at the beginning of the minute, like from the audience perspective, Schmidt's flipping the buttons. Zola just runs out of the room. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I guess it struck me funny when I saw it because it seems like like he's just saying, screw this. I'm out of here. I don't know. it, It plays funny to me when i when i look at it this way okay. yeah i guess because of what comes right after it i just thought oh he's running to like gather stuff up to get out of here yeah it, it may just be me looking at it that way but it's just, it was funny to see him like <laughs> schmidt starts flipping buttons and he's just like see ya i'm out and he just like runs out of the room it, it, it's like the six-figure man who suddenly just runs out of the oh, room yeah. yeah right when finally right. confronted with, with the his count enemy. count dugan yes 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 gonna yes. have how i pulled that out but yeah there is there is a funny moment in this uh, that, and I don't know. It's probably just me, but you know, we see uh, we see Zola running out across the catwalk, and then we cut to Cap, and now he's up on some catwalks, and we see him kind of come to this this uh, you know balcony, this edge of the catwalk overlooking the whole compound here, all like the factory floor, and we linger on the shot of him kind of staring out into it long enough well like he kind of raises his head and looks forward and the camera very kind of gently moves to the left almost like we're meant to see something before he and the camera then swing off to the right and i don't know maybe it's just me but it's about 15 seconds into this minute it really made me think that he sees zola or he sees something in this factory that we're meant to see and I, I guess it confused me enough where I, I stopped and I looked at it long enough to, to scrutinize it. Like, am I supposed to be seeing something in the distance here with Cap? Did either of you notice anything in there that we're supposed to see? Or did that confuse you? Or is it just me, you know, seeing shadows? I didn't notice anything, but I did think maybe they wanted to give us just long enough uh, with Cap examining the space because this is our, I think this is our first Full reveal of the factory floor, right? We've had kind of like looking down sections of the bomb casings and the fuel, but this is like this is the never-ending warehouse of uh, of activity for the first time. And I, it struck me that maybe they just wanted us to be able to linger on it because I didn't see anything that Cap should be looking at that that we also should be recognizing. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that's it. Like it, it just was. It was structured strangely, where I felt like, oh, he's seeing something here, and maybe it's just like I want to be seeing something. Like maybe it's my brain seeing a huge empty factory, and I want to see like Hydra troops all running through it on their way out or something. But just yeah. the fact that it's just the completely vacant factory floor, it ends up kind of being one of those things where it's it's deceiving my eyes, making me think, oh, I'm supposed to be seeing that person in the distance or something. Well, it's interesting, too, because there are three sort of notable spotlights hanging down in in the frame and all of them 
like shine down to nothing on the floor, but it's it leads your eye to to sense exactly that that trick, right? It's pointing me to follow the beam of light and that where there is nothing. I don't know what that should be. Yeah. And I'll just say my, my uncharacteristic silence here is just because this is where, again, I'm deeply impressed by what you two are able to see in a film. Because uh, maybe it's because I don't have the training or just my, my, my inclination has always been more just the characters and the, and the writing. And I'm sure all this affects that in ways I don't notice. But like what I saw was a guy running around punching things. And like, it was not, I think the thing is you're noticing a lot more. And it's one of the things I loved about Thor is you all helped point out things that I didn't see, but I realized how much they affected it. And so, yeah, I can get as you're saying this. Yeah, that actually doesn't make sense. I wonder why that happened. Uh, but if, if you're asking my opinion on why there's the lights, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> so totally okay. Totally okay. It is just, it's an interesting moment that we have here. And and yes, Pete, you're probably right. We're just meant to finally say, hey, now let's look at this whole factory floor for the first time from up here so we can really get a sense of what Hydra is doing. It does just feel constructed in a way where it feels like there's meant to be something else we're also supposed to be seeing. Andy, my follow-up question to you is we've all in a few minutes ago, Last week, we had the exterior shot of the massive scale of the outside of the factory, right? Yeah. Does the the reveal of the inside of the factory live up to your expectation, exceed it, uh, fall below it? Well, I mean, it, that's an interesting question because I guess when I saw the exterior of the factory, it looked like a building that was made up of – I don't know, 50 floors, maybe more, right. um, incredibly wide, incredibly tall. But now I feel like, oh, it's like a big hollow shell. And the yeah. vast majority of it is just this giant um, interior of this factory. Which begs the the like assumption that whatever they're building in here is giant, right? right. It's going to be a very big thing, so... Well, and we do see as he runs by, like there's a giant, it looks like pieces of essentially mm -hmm. what would be like a Valkyrie turbine hanging right there. Yeah. I, I think there's that. I think it's also it, it like this is not Schmidt. Schmidt A hasn't had this plan for 20 years. He just got the Tesseract and now like, cool, what can I do with it? And also he's not planning to have this factory be making weapons for 20 years. I think he is very focused on. There's a six-month maximum to this work because he's convinced he's going to make the weapons, he's going to use the weapons, he's going to take over. And and so I think it does all kind of speak to the idea of this all being very thrown together at the last minute without much forethought because who cares? Well, and clearly he's okay blowing it up. It, like none of it – like to your point, it's all temporary. It, yeah. If I have to blow it up, I blow it up so I can go build another one somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Or two more because it's Hydra. He He blows one up. It it makes two more factories. Oh, that's such a good point. <laughs> there are factories everywhere. I just keep doing this. Um, all right. So uh, we get more uh, of the fighting going on outside. Now, this the Tesseract energy does kind of confuse me from time to time and what it does to people because we see a person disintegrated out here. When we saw it hit the building, as you pointed out earlier, Pete, it, or Matthew, one of you pointed it out, it blows the corner up. It doesn't disintegrate it. It literally is a giant explosion. But here we're back to the disintegration of people. And, and it's and it's Dernier who's using it to do so. How, what's going on with these weapons? 
I mean, I, I, I think one thing the MCU has established throughout the entirety of it is if you're a writer, Infinity Stone means you never have to say you're sorry. Like, the Infinity Stones always do exactly what the plot wants them to do without any correlation to what they could or couldn't do at later points in the, in the movie or the TV show or, or the MCU itself. It's in the title, man. It's an Infinity Stone. <laughs> it can do everything. <laughs> what, like, I, I think I think to me what I would focus on is like, A, like the human body is very different from a like solid building. So it's possible that it interacts with two materials differently. I'm still on the like dial a power level that, you know, you can switch the thing. And but yeah, the why does it blow up instead of disintegrate? I, I, I got nothing. I, I was actually I was leaning on the different materials like it can disintegrate uh, organic material and explode inorganic material. That's that it, also magic. I, I made a joke about writing, but we are told explicitly these things do not obey the scientific laws as we understand them. They make their own scientific laws. And I I forget which of the power stones is the Tesseract. Is this the space? St- space. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that's why he gets teleported up. Um, right. Yeah. So like it, it does. So its when own... it blows up the building, it's making more space. You see wow. what I did there? Wow. Or like I, just... I, I would even just say like <laughs> you fire the laser one moment. It, it goes by the physics of Earth. Another time it goes by the physics of Titan. Like what do you want? Oh, that's a whole new way to look at it. It's it. And, uh, you know, for all I mean, I, we're just kind of going. There's there are way too many options that it could be. It could be a dial on the side. And like you know, we already said, it could have been set on stun earlier. Uh, now it's just one of these things where, yeah, it can be, you know, maybe maybe Dernier's finally figured out the switches and has moved it from blow up to disintegrate. I mean, in just a minute, Dernier's going to set it to chickens. Wait till you see what happens. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> I can't wait for that minute. That's going to be a fun one when all of a sudden Dernier is turning everyone into chickens. <laughs> Oh, I, I wouldn't read it. I was thinking like a Mel Brooks spoof on this. So like you use the laser to fry chicken, you know? Fast oh, I just imagine Dernier shooting a million You'll never chickens get into the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We all read that in such different ways. That was brilliant. Just like trying to read what's going on with this silly gun. So awesome. uh, we do we do have a moment where they grab some some grenades. Now we're just down to grenades that were in the side of the of the of uh, the hydrocycle. As one of the troops tell, as I believe that it's uh, Fallsworth, who's now, I guess he's out of the tank. I'm not, or maybe it's just another soldier. It's hard to tell what I, I can't tell if the soldier I, I thought he was wearing the um, uh, is he what hat is he wearing? Maybe it's just a regular military hat. I thought it was his uh, his hat and I thought it was him. But I believe that he's still in the tank. So it ma- wouldn't make any sense at all to have him now leading some troops running past these hydrocycles telling them to grab grenades on their way but maybe it is him i don't know can any of you tell if that's him it's right there at uh, about second 22 it looks like fallsworth in his hat he's got the little um beret beret he's wearing a beret yeah. I, I, was gonna say, I think one of my other frustrations about this scene i think we talked about this a little bit with thor is this is still in an era where the special effects are not really able to do the things that you might want them to do. So we're always shooting these battle scenes at night where it's hard to see things. And so I think a lot – for me at least, it's, uh, I just kind of glaze over the details because I, I really have to kind of like stare really closely to try and see this stuff. 
Well, and it could be that, I mean, with all of the stuff that they had that they were filming, this might have been a scene that was intended to be earlier in the film or earlier in the fight sequence before he even gets to the tank. And they chose to use it here. And so maybe they darkened his face because it's really hard to tell if it is Fallsworth or not. And so it could have been him telling these people to grab these grenades from these cycles. They darkened like they shadowed his face up so you couldn't really tell. And then you see all the grenade stuff going on because the next time we see him, he's back in the turret of the tank. So I don't know. Which also made it jump back a bit. Uh, Again, like I think right now we've gotten so used to the special effects of the MCU being so good that we think they can do anything. This movie was made, what, 18 years ago? No, not that far. It was only uh, 10 years ago. And, okay, or, even so, 11 years big ago, jumps. Yeah. I would imagine that showing a human disintegrating versus showing a side of a building disintegrating, I can see the second one being a lot harder. So maybe that's why it exploded. I don't know why now I'm stuck on that question. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Um, all right. Well, we do see I, – I, I'm confused because – you know, it seems like Schmidt has been in the control room where they've been running everything, but now he's grabbing the Tesseract. And last time we saw the Tesseract, it was in, uh, you know, his uh, kind of his office, the place that he had been where they had been doing a lot of the experiments with it. But it seems like maybe over the few months where they've been doing all this building and stuff, they've created a new place for it up here in the control room where the Tesseract gets put into this machine and it pumps that Tesseract energy into all of the stuff they're building that I I would think that likely is the case as to what we're doing here. I mean, uh, it's not completely clear, but that may be what's happening here. Yeah. That, that was my read on it because I don't think we have Zola. I don't think not Zola uh, Schmidt. Um, I, I don't think we have enough of a logical blocking transition to, take him to another space. It, it only yeah, makes sense all. if he's in that room. Not like Zola, who we saw run away and now is in the bowels of the thing in his, presumably his private office, which is definitely not as nice. No, as... this is called Zola's experiment room. Okay. Where Zola is. And actually, I, I mean, we should clarify, like where we saw Schmidt earlier in the film, uh, it's likely not even this location. Like when right. he was up in the mountains in the Alps, it's not necessarily here. Yeah. Uh, because you know, so because that was where they were first developing their stuff. Now this is the factory where they are actually building all this stuff. So yeah, it's likely a completely different location, right? So, uh, but yeah, you're right. We do go, we do follow Zola. So now we see he wasn't necessarily just bailing. He actually ran to his office, his experiment office. We see him gathering papers. Matthew, this is what you were talking about earlier. He's throwing everything into his little briefcase. Uh, a lot. Of, I don't know. It's hard to tell what it is. He grabs it so quick, but it looks like. If you see what he's grabbing, it looks like it's a schematic of a person. I'm not exactly sure if I I don't know what his specific plans would have been. Like, was this the intention of what they're doing to uh, to Bucky? Uh, Is this in some way a hint at the Winter Soldier program? I don't know what it is because it looks more like a wetsuit or something on the schematic. I do think that Red Skull has established pretty clearly that one of his goals is to eventually recreate the Erskine syndrome and be able to make more people to his power level. And so, yeah, I think it, 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 those be like that, those are the plans that, you know, like who cares? We can always, we can always find a new way to design a tank, but we need to know how to redesign that super soldier. Um, but I mean, but that's not really supported through a lot of the movies. So it's, it's, it's hard. 
it really does look like a wetsuit, though. You're right, with some sort of mechanism on the front. Yeah, right. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, but clearly he's doing something involving a body because he's grabbing the schematic and all of his stuff. He grabs his hat and the camera pans up to a map of Europe uh, showing a bunch of other Hydra bases. I thought this was interesting. Steve's going to certainly notice this, too. From what I can tell, it looks like they have Hydra compounds here where we are in the Alps in Austria, in Greece, Luxembourg, Prague, and then two spots in western Poland, or at least modern uh, Poland. That's about what it looks like, which, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how Hydra is spread out around Europe as far as where they have their locations. I don't know if there's any particular um, rhyme or reason to where they picked other than just saying, let's spread it around Europe and some places maybe the Nazi occupied, some places not. But we're going to kind of give this sense that Hydra like, you know, when you have a, a creature like Hydra with octopus tentacles in the in their in their image, it's kind of spreading itself out across the uh, European continent. And everyone wants to be stationed in Greece. Who are we kidding? True, true. <laughs> that women there are even better than the French women. But the, <laughs> and the men too. But, you know, uh, I, the one thing I got from it is that none of them, at least as far as I could tell, were in Germany itself. And so no, I, right. I, I, my sense was, and a lot of them were kind of on the edges, you know, like the, the Benelux, the, the, it's on the edge of Greece. To me, that's like... Schmidt's trying to keep Hydra as far – he's trying to separate himself from the Nazis and from Germany and basically just set up his own empire because like you said, he wants to blow up. We're going to later find out. He's oh, no, I think maybe we already did find out that Berlin's on his list of cities to destroy right along with London and New York and all the rest. Right. What's also interesting is he has these numbered. Number one and six are both up in Poland. Uh, four is in uh, – that's the one that's in Prague. Three is in Greece. Two is where we are. Actually, it's, it doesn't even look like Austria. It actually looks like it's in Italy. So maybe they are on a different one that's not even on this map. Uh, and then they have number um, five up in Luxembourg. Italy, Italy was Ger Germany's ally and was – basically kind of a puppet state of Germany at this point. So, yeah, Italy would be just as likely as any of the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now we have um, a moment that is really one of my favorite um, images in the film. And it, it maybe it speaks to my love of film noir, but the way that all of the stuff in the corridor outside of Schmidt's experiment or outside of Zola's experiment room looks – it just it's so beautifully lit. Like we have Steve walking down the hallway and you just see his silhouette with some yellow light behind him. Zola comes running out in his trench coat and his hat and or he's holding his trench coat and his uh, and he's wearing his hat. And it's just shadows and figures in this uh, darkly lit corridor. And it's just it's just beautiful. I love the way that this whole thing looks. Uh, did it strike either of you to kind of like have kind of these this feel for kind of a noirish 40s film? Oh, a absolutely, uh, especially Zola, because uh, the way his coat falls, the way his his belongings are under his arm, and the way his his hat is cut in that silhouette is, is just perfect. Uh, moving from the yellows to the pinks and blues and reds back to the yellows in the foreframe, I think is just a lovely composition. I, it does lead to the cap, like the cap choice here. Like he could absolutely catch Zola if he wanted to, but he stops 
for some reason. And uh, so I think that whole approach, as he closes the distance, it's all shot perfectly. It gives us that opportunity for the the devil's choice, what's going to happen in, in that room. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I love the way that it plays. It, but to your point, it does make me wonder, why does Steve stop? Like, you know, is it because Zola doesn't look like a Hydra soldier and he's just like more curious about where he's coming from as opposed to stopping this this figure who looks like essentially a businessman running down the hallway? Uh, because we don't have a moan echo from the room until after Steve has stopped. So yes. the only reason he kind of stops and turns is because then he does hear that moan. Because you know who you chase if you're Captain America? You chase the guy running away from you, right? Like, I don't think he needs to worry about not knowing who Zola is. Zola sees him and starts to run. And so if I'm Cap, I follow him. Um, so, I don't know. Movie logic. Zola doesn't look like a bully. He looks like a guy who gets bullied, which is actually true in this movie with how Schmidt treats him. And so I, I don't know that, like, Cap takes that all in in a moment, but, like, I don't think Cap looks at Zola and thinks this is the epitome of the, the German bullies I came here to beat up. Yeah, he's not my target. Even when he starts running, he's not doing a Kruger run. He's doing, you know, a very casual, like, almost like the run that, you know, you see me running after you, so you run faster sort of run, like, just just almost, like, make Zola you know get out it's of here even a quicker. if it's even slower than his sunday on your left run like yeah, it's, it's a very slow run it's a very casual run i mean he's pretty convinced that like he's gonna catch up to him eventually right. zola does not <laughs> have the stamina to outright run him <laughs> that is true that is true uh i don't think i have anything else with this minute uh the next minute is going to be something in the room here uh which should be fun to talk about so uh do either of you have any last things for minute 64 I'm good. I think that's about it. All right. Uh, Matthew, remind everyone again where they can uh, tune into what you're up to. Uh, TheEthicalPanda.com. I do podcasting. I podcast uh, superhero ethics and also one called the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Uh, that one especially I'll talk about because uh, depending on when this is released – Andor will either be in the middle or will have finished, but we're going to do episode-by-episode episode coverage of it. We're hopefully going to get a bunch of different guests, talk about all sorts of parts of the Star, Star, the Star Wars storyline. Um, I, I just an episode on Star Trek, and I get through them mixed up all the time. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check that out, theethicalpanda.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok by that same name. Fantastic. So check that out in the show notes, everybody. We will be back tomorrow for Minute 65 to close the week out. Matthew, thank you so much. Appreciate you joining us again back here in uh, Marvel Movie Minute Land. Yeah, my pleasure. And Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow, Cap finds a cake. <laughs> That's what Zola left for him. Yeah. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. <laughs>